According to a new report, more than half, 59% of American workers say that they're experiencing moderate levels of burnout, which is a noticeable increase from 2021 when that number stood at 52%, which is indeed on par from the levels reported in 2020 during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the 2022-2023 ACFLAC Workforces Report. When LJ Sarkady looks to impact business owners, executives, and others in leadership, she asks them three questions. Are you working so hard that you're on the brink of burnout? Is your work-life balance completely out of whack? Are you so busy delivering that you have no time to work on your business? As a sales and outsourcing specialist and the founder of sales closers, she's been responsible for more than $30 million worth of sales and led multiple global sales teams virtually across the globe to close multiple seven-figure deals. Sales Closers is a remote sales closing agency that helps service-based business owners with a high-ticket offer to scale their businesses faster by outsourcing the sales conversations to experienced and pre-vetted closers so that business owners can reclaim their lives and have more time for the things they really want to accomplish both personally and professionally with their business. And Sarkady joined me this week to tell me more about how she helps business owners get their swag back to make sure that they can live and maximize every corner of their quality of life. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Welcome you to the program, and I am super excited to learn all about this wonderful work you do to help people outsource the sales process so that they can live a more fulfilling life. Great to see you today, and thank you so very much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I know, Elder, part of the work that you do is to help 
business owners uh, sort of avoid burnout by outsourcing the sales process. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about all the great work that you do. Absolutely. So we help online entrepreneurs and service experts to to scale their offers faster, really, by outsourcing the sales calls to experienced sales closers. So really, that means they don't have to go through the pain of, of hiring internally or doing all the, the sales themselves. So, yeah, the, the reason I ended up here is after a, a period of burnout myself, trying to do it all, as many entrepreneurs do, trying to do all the things. Um, really, that process of outsourcing is something that, that's got to be done. It's like, hey, well, you know, Elon Musk and Richard Branson don't take their own sales calls, do they? So, um, yeah, part of that is is making sure that, yeah, an entrepreneur has credibility um, in what they're doing as they scale and freeing up their time to really work on their business. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I'm also curious to ask you about the concept of, of being willing to give up uh, control as an entrepreneur because I know it's not always easy, is it? It's definitely not easy. It's like, you know, entrepreneurs look at their business quite often as their baby, right? So it's it's like they are so um, precious about it. You know, handing over their baby to someone else can be absolutely nerve-wracking. And the thing is, quite often as entrepreneurs, we feel like the way we do things, no one else could do it the same way. But what we've got to get a handle on is, well, actually, is that a bad thing? Um, you know, if, if someone does it slightly differently, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing that might they might even be able to do it better than you. And I think when it comes to sales in particular, um, when I'm speaking to people, they are really nervous about handing over inquiries in case, you know, those leads don't convert into clients or, you know, their brand isn't represented effectively. But more often than not, what happens is, particularly when it comes to sales, um, by not being the business owner, they don't then end up consulting or giving their time for free on a sales call. Instead, that call remains as it should be a consultation or a strategy call um, that's really helping someone understand whether this is the right decision to move forward for them. So it actually positions entrepreneurs really well if they have someone else doing the sales for them. Right. Um so yeah, that that's that's my take on it. But it's it's definitely not easy. And I, I know even when I and this is me being an, an outsourcing expert, even when I started to outsource my own sales calls, I was super nervous about it, right? Um, and I knew it like when I'd interviewed um the first girl that I had selling for me. You know, I could see a fire in her. I knew that, yeah, yeah, I mean, she'd even sold more in her career than I had. And yet I was still nervous about handing over those sales calls and how that how that process was going to go. But I needn't have feared Kevin because, um, yeah, she she closed the first sale that she did for me. So $9,000 later, I was having my coffee in the morning and um, I hadn't had to, to open my laptop. And um, yeah someone else was closing sales. So all of a sudden it starts freeing up more time and you can see the possibility of being able to scale much more quickly by freeing up time for then delivery and other things in your business. Absolutely. There's 
there's power in delegation. Is it there? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just not an easy one for, for us humans, never mind entrepreneurs, to, to get a handle on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And LJ, I know, know that early on in your career, you sort of, you sort of adopted or believed believe the belief that hard work equaled more money. But as you've uh, been talking to me today, I know that philosophy has uh, evolved over time, hasn't it? It has, for sure. Yeah, I, I formed that belief early on, um, really watching my dad work as much as anything. He was in sales as well, and he spent a lot of time working in the car, traveling from appointment to, to appointment. And, you know, he worked super hard. My, my mother died when I was just nine. Um, so he was, I suppose, providing for two children as well. So, you know, I was watching him and I never wanted for anything for as a child. I was very fortunate that way. But, you know, spent time in the car uh, while he was often at sales appointments and that kind of thing. So I, I saw the, the amount of effort that he put in. So I suppose subconsciously had adopted that belief that I needed to work super hard as well. But it's one thing, you know, and, and even early on in my career, I was working 12 hour days in at the weekends. Um, but making the transition to entrepreneurship that kind of mentality is not a healthy one because you end up doing everything and at some point something's going to give you know it's one thing working 12 hours a day in your 20s <laughs> when you come to your 30s 40s it, it's you know just not as sustainable I'd become a new mom as well um so my, my you know my business started off with a, a bang I had a great first year in business um then I had my son but I ended up back at work within kind of six weeks of giving birth um, and just pushing forward from that point so it's about two years after my son was born I hit burnout big time um, to the point where my body just would not allow me to work Kevin um, and that was about six months before I was able to go back to like every time I tried to work my body was just saying no. <laughs> you know, I think our bodies have a funny way of protecting us in, in that sense. So, um, yeah, I was like, okay, this is not working for me as my lifestyle is right now. How can I rebuild um, in a different way, in a way that's working smarter, not harder, not just about the time I put in, but um more about how I'm working so things like outsourcing or systems or focusing only on certain projects and saying no to things that you know aren't aligned or aren't going to be as profitable for instance so um yeah I rebuilt my business based on freedom really as a I suppose, a, a purpose, uh, you know, it, it was freedom was really central to what I do. And actually now, even for our salespeople and our clients, freedom tends to be, you know, the purpose of, of what we do and time freedom in, in particular, so that people can live their lives as they want. Um, and also, you know, that, that career and work does not come number one, but they can prioritize things like family, like friendships, like community, um, over and above their work. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, I'm also curious to ask you about when you hire a new salespeople, what do you look for in them in terms of, of personality, 
uh, trades and professional trades. Now, let's you know that there are a good sales closer. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I the answer I will give you to that is probably different to a lot of other people hiring for, for salespeople or other agencies. And the reason for that is we focus on values first. So, um, you know, for me, the kind of three values we have at sales closers are number one care, which I think is a lot of people don't necessarily associate with sales. But for us, that's super important. So taking care of our clients, taking care of their prospects and taking care of our team as well. Um, number two is the ability to be able to connect. So it's kind of three C's connect really deeply. So what we're looking for is someone that understands people um, can really you know read a room understand what's going on behind the words you know can read um, body language and really be able to, to connect with someone and build that rapport at a deep level and the third thing then um, is the third C is courageous conversation so um, courage is really at the heart of all we do as well so it's not just about connecting deeply but about being brave enough to ask the questions that potentially uh, no one else is going to ask, you know, um, and be able to have that level of conversation with someone that opens up enough to help them understand where they're at and whether this decision is is right for them. So um, long story short, really what we're looking for is um, values first and then experience. So you know, for us as an agency, it is absolutely important that they have sales experience as a closer. But more important than that, it's it's the values piece. Um, we also hire appointment setters as well, which is more junior level roles. So someone really looking to get into sales or maybe move into closing. Again, that's very much values led. We're looking for good communication skills written and um, spoken for that particular role. Yeah, absolutely. There's value in authentic human connections, isn't there? Absolutely. It's it's so important in sales. Um, you know, we value that above process, you know, above anything else. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of kind of sales tactics and strategies out there, but if someone can actually connect with someone, then that's that's half the battle, really. Yeah, and after you've connected with a person on a sales call, what do you think is uh, sort of the key uh, sort of pinpoints to closing a sale on a sales call? Yeah, I think first and foremost is that being able to build rapport with someone. So it's really coming back to that connection. So if you're going to close a sale, someone has got to have confidence in you as the salesperson in what you're saying or what you're selling. So the offer or the service itself, they've got to have confidence. And that comes from the salesperson that it actually can solve the problem that they have. And they've got to have confidence in the company um, or whoever is offering the entrepreneur who is offering that service. And all of those things can only really come from building a, tr a level of trust in the sales conversation um, and, and feeling heard, I suppose. Someone has got to feel like you know, a sales call should be more about listening than actually talking. Um, so they are going to want to 
feel like they have been heard, understood, and that there is a level of trust. And if you get to that point, more often than not, you'll find a prospect will be closing you <laughs> rather than you closing them, right? They'll be saying, well, how do we move this forward? How do we go to the next stage? And if, if you get those kind of buying signals, then you know, um, yeah, you, you've done a good job in terms of getting, building up that confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And LJ, as I shared with you before we started recording, I was born with a cerebral palsy and I worked with businesses to amplify the hiring of, of, of individuals with disabilities. And, and, and for me, it's a bit of a sales process because you have to educate them on the benefits of hiring people with disabilities. So when you look at um, inclusivity at work, I'm curious how you define that and how you think we can better infuse individuals with disabilities into the workforce. Yeah. That's a, a good question. And, you know, I think particularly for sales, you know, the types of roles that we are looking for here, I mean, ultimately they are remote uh, roles that absolutely could um, be done by, by people with disabilities. Um, in terms of attracting those people, um, I guess uh, training for a start, you know, making them aware that there are opportunities there that, you know, can be done across the board. It, uh, we want inclusivity. At the end of the day, we have clients where they have prospects right across the board, you know. Um, so actually showing that we have inclusivity um, as businesses, then, you know, that helps with the sales process as well, I believe. Um, but for us, you know, it's it's more about, you know, can someone do the do the job of selling rather than, you know, do they fit into a certain category per se? But I think that the great thing, particularly about remote working um, and the the area or the area era we're moving into, thanks to, to COVID, if, if, if one positive thing is to come out of it, it's like it opens opportunity for more people who maybe can't make it into the office or, you know, who would find that a difficulty that actually um, there are more remote opportunities and, um, yeah, training, accessible training from home. Yeah, absolutely. And Elder, one of the other reasons I was so uh, fascinated to talk to you today was I believe that we share the same synergy about life because, you know, I always tell people that it's important to celebra uh, celebrate the wins in life, no matter how big and how small. And I'm curious how you uh, celebrate your own wins in life and the importance of sort of slowing down and celebrating the moment and how important that is to you. Yeah, it's so important, Kevin. Um, and I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, you know, even humans in general, we're always rushing ahead to the next thing. Um, and quite often things, you know, our, our big goals can take much longer than what we anticipate, you know, particularly as entrepreneurs, I think we're... Um, you know, we're super optimistic. 
So like you say, for me, it's really important to celebrate the little wins along the way as part of the journey. And that can look different for everyone. You know, for me, that might just be, you know, getting together with my family and having a pizza, right? (laughs) And enjoying a movie or something like that. It might be, you know, just something fun to do just to, to market. It doesn't have to be a massive celebration. It's just a little pause, like you say, to enjoy something thing or you know give yourself permission to do something you enjoy it might be going for a walk in nature or just getting some fresh air and breathing in the moment and really reflecting on that period of growth um but yeah I I feel like sometimes in this world it's like we're all going too quickly to and we forget to pause and yeah just take in the moment and what's in front of us yeah absolutely and Elder, I'm curious to ask you if you could go back to your early days as an entrepreneur or your 80-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give yourself and what piece of advice would you give give to a first-time entrepreneur as well? Yeah, um, I think this one, the, the biggest shift, for, there are so many lessons that I've learned that I would love to give to my 18-year-old self, if I'm honest, but the biggest one is discover who you are more quickly. So, you know, my journey of personal development and professional development probably didn't start until I was, you know, early 30s, which is is quite late, I would say. Um, So I was probably in roles early on, you know, in my 20s, you know, there's probably a decade there that I was pushing against my natural strengths and my natural gifts. Whereas the more I could learn about myself, the more I was able to kind of tailor um, the work that I was doing, focus on uh, focusing on my my genius zone, if you like, rather than trying to do all the things that weren't necessarily in my, my strength zone. And I think if people can get that piece sooner, then they will have a much more fulfilling life in general, you know, not just work life, because that spills into all areas of our life. If we're fulfilled in our work, people are going to feel that, you know, in our families, our friendship groups, our communities as well. So that that to me is the the biggest um, thing is really discovering your own strengths and skills sooner. Yeah, absolutely. LJ, you know, I'm also curious to ask you how, you outsourced uh, successfully uh, without compromising sort of your brand or principles as an entrepreneur. How do you think we do that uh, successfully? Yeah, great question. And for me, it's about getting the right people in place. So I quite often talk to entrepreneurs who have outsourced historically and had a bad experience. Um, And to me, there are two reasons why that happens. A, they weren't ready or they weren't prepared um, to outsource. Or B, they've made a bad hire in the sense that what often happens uh, when we hire, particularly as entrepreneurs, because I think we're often emotional creatures, we hire based on emotion rather than, 
you know, using that discernment process and, and logic along with emotion. So, um, you know, just because someone says they can do something doesn't mean that they can. Um, and it comes back as well to what I was saying when we are hiring for, for salespeople for our team, what we're looking for is values first and foremost. So I would say if you are going to outsource without um, compromising your brand, uh, or your reputation, you want to be you want to be hiring on values first. So understanding your values as an individual and a business and making sure that anyone that you hire also reflects those values. Because the thing is, with salespeople in particular, you know, the skill um, or understanding your industry or niche can be taught. Um, but what you can't teach are their values. They're either there or not. Yeah, absolutely. To that point, what do you think is an appropriate point for an entrepreneur to to determine that uh, bringing in outsourcers will help elevate their business? How do you know you have the right infrastructure in place before you bring in outsourcing assistance? Yeah. So there are a few things that you need to have in place first. And uh, as entrepreneurs, more often than not, we're, we are carrying so much information around in our head, but we haven't actually got it out and put it on paper or put it into a process. It's it's all here. So before you, you think about outsourcing, what you want to do is make sure that your sales process is um detailed documented from start to finish what happens before during and after a sale um what does someone need to do in terms of onboarding them um you'll want to have some sales recordings in place ideally of you talking about your offer your brand you know if you think about remote sales closing um you don't have the benefit of sharing an office with someone where they can hear um you talking about the offer or kind of pick up through osmosis so what you want is, you know, some recordings of calls so a salesperson can hear the kind of questions that are asked, understand your prospect a bit more and be able to, to share those things. And um, the other thing I would say you want to have in place is a detailed document of who your ideal client are, the typical objections that um, come up, how you tend to handle those. Um, and finally, ideally, you want to have some kind of CRM system in place so that that process is working. So, you know, for new entrepreneurs, quite often we get inquiries from people who just want to offload their sales without actually going through the process of selling themselves. And I would say that's not the time to outsource. You know, they need to be have a process in place, have a process that is proven um, and then bring a salesperson in. So they're not kind of a... Um, a savior for sales they are more a someone to bring in to scale something that's already working if that makes sense yeah and it's also important that they they know how to sell what they want other people to sell right yeah exactly absolutely and i've waited uh, to the end of our conversation to ask about the accent because i know that you're not originally from canada so i, I i'm Fascinated to ask you about where you come from and uh, what uh, makes you most uh, fulfilled in life outside of work. 
Yeah, sure. So I'm actually from Northern Ireland. Um, so I live in the UK with my my husband and my son now, but the, the accent is a bit of a mix of British and uh, Northern Irish, I would say. Um, so it's it's kind of there's influences from all, all over, but most of our clients are US and Canada as well. So um you know, we've, we've got an international client base. So I think there's influences there from, from everywhere. So that, that hopefully that explains the accent, um, Kevin. And in terms of what fulfills me outside of work, you know, for me, it's my family, um, just hanging out with, with them and, you know, really spending quality time. You know, I, I value so much being an entrepreneur and not having to, you know, go into a corporate job as a mother because, you know, I get to take my son to school every day. I get to pick him up if he's ill. I can go collect him. I can attend all of his um, school events um, without guilt. So, you know, for me, that that's probably the the most fulfilling thing is, is that, um and I, I suppose in addition to that is my my faith as well. I I, I do quite a lot with my uh, local church here as well, and and pouring into the community that way as well. So um, yeah, I suppose it's twofold. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, I'm also curious to ask you how important it, it is it to have a supportive partner as an entrepreneur in, in order to sort of accelerate success. It's massively important. It's such a good question because I come across so many entrepreneurs who don't have supportive partners and it's a really difficult one if you are coming up against a wall, you know, when it comes to, to having a partner because, you know, the entrepreneurial journey is like up and down, up and down. Um, so it can be an emotional roller coaster. But I've got to say, I've been so fortunate. My husband is is so supportive. Even when I have like crazy harebrained ideas, he's he's always on board. Um, you know, at, at one point in my early entrepreneurial career, I decided that we were um, it would be great to go live in the Canary Islands Um you know, do and we decide. I was like, wouldn't it be awesome? You know, I work, um, I work completely remotely, and we could just head out there and buy one way tickets. And you know, my husband was on board a hundred percent. Like, and we bought one way tickets within like the space of a month of deciding. So that's that's the kind of crazy ideas that I come up with. Needless to say, we actually only spent three months there. Um, we found out after buying the one way tickets that I we, I was expecting with my son. Um, but that said, I, I've got to say, um, I feel I feel like it's hugely important to have a supportive partner. And yeah, I, I know that I am super fortunate to to have someone who is really supportive in my corner. Well, as entrepreneurs, it's important to have a sense of adventure, isn't there? Absolutely. I've definitely got one of those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm also uh, finally curious to ask you, before I ask you about how you want your legacy to be defined, I also wanted to ask you about the importance of finding your passion as an entrepreneur, because, you know, everyone's excited, excited to start something new, but they're not necessarily always excited 
to sustain it, to tell me about the importance of maintaining passion as an entrepreneur from your uh, perspective? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, Through my own experience, my entrepreneurial journey has evolved. So, you know, what I am doing now, I didn't start off doing in my, you know, 10 10 years ago, I left the corporate world um and it has evolved so i think for me to keep that passion and motivation there you've just got to keep taking the next step and what watching what door opens in front of you and it's unlikely to be a linear journey but if you are open to the opportunities that open up as you grow as you evolve as you um yeah, just just take steps forward in the journey. I think if you can stay fluid with that and be brave to say yes to opportunities or yes to changing, to dropping something that potentially felt good in exchange for something else, then you know you're going to be you're going to be good in terms of keeping that passion and motivation because you're constantly moving and constantly evolving to another level. It's always like a computer game, I guess. It's like there's always a next level. It's like, okay, I've unlocked the next level. What's what, you know, what have I got to achieve on on this level? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Life is important to stay nimble both in life and business, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. Yeah, and Aldrin, my final question for you today has to do with your own personal and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. Yeah, I think for me, it's like my, as I've already mentioned, my, my faith is super important. So I would say for me, I want to be remembered as someone that is courageous. You know, that's why it's one of our core values. Um, and what I mean by that is courageous in saying yes to where I feel like God is leading me. Um, and that might be giving up certain things. And that's kind of how I tend to to lead my life. It's like saying yes to that next step of, of where I'm going. Um, and what that looks like, I suppose, for me right now, um, freedom is definitely a passion, uh, which is why we create freedom for our salespeople and our clients. So it may well be that that is creating more freedom for people to help them break free from the shackles of overwork and hard work to be able to free them up to pursue, you know, more community projects and things that are actually making a difference in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And LJ, if people want to get connected with you or uh, sales closes in particular, what's the best way they can do that? The best way to get in touch is just to visit www.salesclosers.com. And um, you can either chat with us there. We've got a chat box there um, or you can get connected in terms of booking a, a call if there's something that I've said is sparking any interest to you. Well, fabulous. Well, I, I want to thank you for all the work that you do and promoting a business diversification, business diversification, uh, giving uh, entrepreneurs their freedom back and a little bit about your uh, success and your business story. Great uh, to be with you and I want to thank you for being here today. It's most appreciated. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Kevin.